right, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Esther chapter 3. Esther chapter 3. I have to tell you, I am, I am really excited about today's message, and here's why. Uh, you know, at, when you study God's Word, and He reveals uh, truths through His Word, and you understand Him, and you understand His purposes just a little bit better, there's something about that that's exciting. There's something about it that it's like, I cannot wait uh, to share this with someone. And uh, usually, I'll share those things with Cheryl. And I'll say, Cheryl, listen, listen, listen look at this. I want to share with you what, and, and on occasion, Cheryl will say, I'll hear it Sunday. And, uh, and that's perfectly fine. And so I have been waiting for that moment. You know, just, uh, this, is, this is exciting. There's some exciting things here. So we're continuing our series. The message is called Hope After the Storm. Now, we've already finished the books of Ezra and Nehemiah. Ezra and Nehemiah in the Hebrew Bible were one book, written and understood uh, as one book. Uh, they were contemporaries of one another. They um, existed at the same time. They, they went through some of the same events together. Uh, so Ezra and Nehemiah are part of what's called the remnant. The remnant are those who were part of the Babylonian exile, uh, but they, are, they have chosen, once the king uh, was, uh, has given them permission to return back to Israel, uh, they decided to take him up on that, and they returned, and those that returned are known as the remnant. But there's another group of people, and it's interesting. It's like um, God is concerned with all of the people, not just those that returned to Israel. But there's another group of people, they're known as the Diaspora. The Diaspora are the Hebrew people that just, uh, they were part of the Babylonian exile, but they chose to stay in the provinces uh, under the Persian control, rather than go back to Israel. And that was their choice to do so. So you have two groups of people. The remnant, Ezra, Nehemiah, covered those events, covered the remnant returning back to Israel. Esther shifts our focus, and we begin to look at, in particular, a group, or this, this Mordecai and his cousin, Esther, who decided not to return, and the impact that it's having on uh, this group known as the Diaspora. Now, it's, it's fascinating because why is God concerned for both? There's part of me that gets the remnant. We cannot kind of understand God is faithful to his promise. He said that he would make sure that, the, that uh, Israel is not annihilated, that he is going to make their descendants as, as many as the sand on the, uh, you know, on the sea or the stars in the sky. So God has already made a promise to Israel. And that they're, they're going to, to see an incredible, incredible uh, legacy. But then you, you see these group of people, this diaspora that's not returning, and God is just as concerned about them. And ha he has a purpose for them. So here's what I want us to do. If we could, before we jump into Esther 3 and 4, what I want to do is broaden that lens. We've talked about broadening the lens before, this, this hermeneutic, this idea of how do, we, how do we interpret Scripture. 
And one of the ways that we do that is we look at the focal passage, but then we look at the broader context, and then we broaden that out a little bit more, and then we widen that lens a little bit more to include the, the, even the whole of Scripture. And here's one of the things that I noticed this week, I thought this is incredibly fascinating. If you remember from previous weeks as we talked about the remnant heading back, there was one person in particular that's he's almost mentioned in passing. He's almost overlooked, really. I mean, he's mentioned, but the, the remnant really didn't realize how significant of a role he's going to play. And that's a guy by the name of Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel is almost just mentioned in passing or mentioned that he's governor now of the province of Israel, but they don't give him a whole lot of attention. And we don't see his name again until the New Testament in Matthew. And then we see his name, Zerubbabel, pop up again, and we discover that he is the great-grandfather of Jesus, ten times. So here we have the remnant, those that's heading back, those that's heading back to Israel, and we see that God has protected them, and we see that God has not only protected them, but he has protected the line of David that's going to lead to Joseph and ultimately Jesus. And he's going to do that through the line of Zerubbabel. So we can see that and we can say, you know what, that makes sense. God is protecting Israel just like he said he would. And he is protecting specifically the remnant, those that have headed back. Okay, God, so if you know the line of Jesus is good, why, why are you still concerned about the diaspora? I mean, not that he shouldn't be, but God doesn't just do things by accident. He has purpose behind them. He has reason a reason for doing that. And if the remnant's purpose was not just to get the people back to Israel, but to protect the lineage that's going to lead us to Jesus through Zerubbabel and get them back to Israel, then he has to have a purpose for the diaspora. Well, what exactly does diaspora mean? Well, the word in Greek means scattered. And that's exactly what they were, right? I mean, we see that they were scattered among all of the provinces. There were 127 provinces in Persia. And that's, that ranged all the way from India, even all the way down to Ethiopia. So this is a massive, massive kingdom. And in Greek, diaspora means scattered, but in, in Hebrew, it means exiled. Exiled. So what we see in reality is that they were both. They were exiled from their home nation into the Babylonian captivity and now under Persian control. And then they were scattered throughout all of the provinces. And this morning we're going to be introduced to a couple of people who were cousins, Esther and Mordecai. And here's what we discover. They are the precursor to Christian missions. They are the precursor to Christian missions. Now, why do I say that? Just as God brought the remnant back to Israel, protected the line of Jesus through Zerubbabel, 
he now has, get this, he now has people scattered through all of the provinces, in, in other words, all of the known world where there are d- descendants of Abraham in every single province. Now, why is that significant? Well, here's why. Because a few hundred years later, when Jesus shows up, when the Apostle Paul show up, when those first century Christians show up, the Apostle Paul is going to begin to to preach into those Gentile nations. And you know where he's going to stop? He's going to stop at synagogues. He's going to stop at synagogues, and he's going to preach the gospel. Well, where did all these synagogues come from? Those were the result of the diaspora. That's their significance. The significance of the diaspora is that God is not only protecting the lineage of Jesus, but at the same time, he is, he is building an infrastructure through what will be all of these synagogues throughout all these major cities in Gentile nations throughout all of, these, all of this area, which will, it will make it possible for the Apostle Paul and his colleagues to go into these areas and share the gospel. Why? Because there are Jewish people already there ready to hear the gospel. In other words, get this, this is so exciting. The diaspora are the precursor to Christian missions. Where else do we see? Where else do we see scattered? Well, we see it in a number of places, right? In the New Testament, we see in Acts 8.1, the Christians were being persecuted. And because of their persecution, what did they do? Those that had the gospel. They started to be scattered among those same areas where the diaspora are already living. And what did they do? They began to spread the gospel in those places. Even, the, the, even James, James, when he wrote his book at the very beginning, he used that word scattered. It's the same word again. He says, to the 12 tribes who are scattered abroad. And he was writing to them. Why is he writing to them? What's he telling them? Well, he had a purpose for that, but where did they come from? Why were they scattered? These are the people who are the diaspora. So the significance here is this. The remnant is going to protect the lineage of Jesus, and the diaspora is going to set up a system that's going to make Christian missions significant and spread throughout the world. So let's do a real quick recap of the narrative, and then we're going to jump into Esther 3. In Esther chapter 1, we were introduced to a couple, and this couple had some issues. King Ahasuerus and Queen Vashti. Uh, King Ahasuerus was some, had some uh, major uh, issues. He had some pride issues. Uh, he had some control issues. Queen Vashti, uh, she decided that she was going to stand by her convictions. As a result, she was deposed from her, her throne. In Esther chapter 2, we uh, are introduced to Esther. Esther is a young Jewish girl who was being raised by her cousin, Mordecai. The king's servants suggested the most beautiful virgins from all 127 provinces be brought before the king, and then he can choose one 
as the new queen. Now, this is not exactly, um, and, it, and it sometimes gets portrayed as like a beauty contest. And I get that, and it's probably the best way to portray it when explaining it to our children. Uh, but in reality, uh, this is more than a beauty contest where you have somebody crowned the beauty queen at the end, and then all the others are, oh, thank you for participating. Here's your trophies. Here's Miss Congeniality, and here's all the others, and then they're heading home. No, in fact, Esther chapter 2, verse 14 tells us that they were kept in the second house under the king's eunuch who kept the concubines. So he had a motive here, uh, King Ahasuerus did, and there is more going on here than just some beauty contest. Ultimately, yes, a queen will be chosen, uh, but he had some, uh, some other motivation as well. Ultimately, Esther was chosen by King Ahasuerus, uh, but she was told by Mordecai, her cousin, hey, don't reveal right away that you're a Jew. It's probably best that you don't share that right now. And by the end of chapter 2, this is, this is that hinge, this is that pivoting moment that is going to change the direction and everything is going to hinge on these three verses. It's just three verses, it's so quick that it's almost like uh, you can miss it because it's so short. But Mordecai overhears a plot, a plot that is against King Ahasuerus. And those, there are two of the king's eunuchs. And Mordecai ends up telling Esther about this plot. And Esther tells the king. Ultimately, as a result, the two eunuchs are hanged. 